0: Wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy.
1: Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help. Help! All right. Welcome to the Ward Scott Files
2: on Wonderful Wednesday. Wonderful Wednesday is the day we talk with Ted Yoho, who is about uh, as well informed about the. Valley of the Beast, as anybody we could talk to. And he has become a real beast. We will talk about that. Ted and I were talking about that a little bit, but we just went live on the air. Um, it got frosty here uh, yesterday, and you can hear it in my voice as well. So stay with us. We'll make it through this. Um, get outside, we were you know doing a lot of stuff outside. So that catches up with you once more, especially when you got one foot on a banana peel. As yours truly does here. Anyway, I'll uh, let <laughs> you to like that Ted. We are, uh, of course, in the Melvin Law studio. Melvin Law is the only official law firm partner of the Fighting Gator. we will talk about this in more in and after uh, to show, show. But the Fighting Gator basketball team is doing pretty well right now.
1: And, are.
2: of course, protected 24 7, 365 by crime prevention. And sponsored by all these great people who started their business themselves. Antithetical to what you would have Obama preach. These people I know, of course, they started their business themselves. And they have done quite well themselves. So please patronize. Well, um,
1: I was going through some notes before you checked in. And Uh looking at your original list of... um, things we could do to fix the country if we had leadership. Of course, leadership was one of them. And the border just jumped out at me. Now, I was reading through some uh, essays before we went on the show here about what what can you call it? Um, The so-called impeachment. I guess you know. I guess that word, you know, and that was nothing. I mean, where are they going with that? And now the guy is
2: out there acting like he's king Kong. I mean, come on, he's been inoculated. So, yeah, what's that going on? It made him, I don't tell us what you were telling us, me, before we went on the air. I'll sit back and uh, he's got sure an race And race well, there. No joke, but we're going to all right.
0: You were talking about, you know, me coming back from the belly of the beast, and I was up there. And, you know, it takes me back to my veterinary days. You know, when you have an animal, and and certainly you're on the farm and you've dealt with domestic animals, if you have a heavily parasitized animal, it does not do well. It gets sickly. And, uh, you know, I look at Washington, and it's heavily parasitized. And, you know, what we do in the farm, you know, with uh, farm animals is we deworm them. And they pass the worms out. And I think if you look at the the things that are causing the sickness up there, it's the parasites. And we need to deworm Washington. And that's why I talk about, you know, Obama talked about the fundamental transformation of America. Absolutely not. What needs to be fundamentally transformed is Washington. And it's interesting. We talked about Mike Gallagher last week about his vote, um, uh, not voting to impeach Mayorkas. And he was saying, you know, um, the reason he didn't, and I don't agree with what he said, but he came out with something yesterday uh, for one of the reasons he's leaving. And he said, Washington is full of lifers and people that are up there just to have a position. They're not up there to fix things. And, and they really do need to be flushed out. You've got the career politicians. You've got the lifers there. You've got the bureaucracy I saw a guy there yesterday that worked for a Democrat, and they lived in the same building Carolyn and I did, which incidentally, today is Valentine's Day, and it is our 49th wedding anniversary. You know, two little kids got married at 19 in South Florida, and we've endured um, 49 years so far of wedded bliss, I'm sure she'd say. Well, that's congratulations. <laughs> thank you but uh uh, this uh, this guy that i saw yesterday he was the chief of staff for a democrat and we live in the same building and i saw him and the way you know he was a nice guy We, we shook hands and all that and i said what are you doing he goes i'm still here after all these years you know he just stays there and he's the one advising the next member that comes in and it's the way we've always done things and it's it doesn't work. It has to change and we have to get a new mindset up in there. So I say we need to go up there with some ivermectin, you know, and, um, uh, that's a plug, I guess. Um, uh, uh, I should say a parasiticide, a dewormer and flush that system out and it'll, it'll get a lot better. It's like a crop, throw the right fertilizer on there and it'll grow, um, What you and I were talking about before we got on the air was the sentiment up there. It just, it's, people have lined up and they have gone to each side. There's very little bipartisan work and you can see it on the House floor. Um, You know, it's all Democrat votes one way, all Republicans vote one way. Very few times do you see any bipartisan connection in there. And it comes back to our original list that we talked about. I think the biggest thing is a lack of vision and leadership. And I talked to several people in different agencies and we talk about how when a new administration comes in, uh, they will bring their people to run that agency. And then somebody like Trump came in for only four years. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, Biden is in there. He's got his four year tenure and let's hope and pray a Republican and hope it's Trump that gets in there. Um, They'll bring in another whole group of people in there, so you don't get continuity in these agencies to do the work they're really tasked to. And who controls it are the lifers, the people that stay up there forever. And and I was talking to a Democrat. He uh, he worked for Feinstein, and he was um, uh, the, the, uh, on the Senate Defense, no, the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee. He was their top uh, staffer up there. For probably 10 years now, he's with one of the big agencies. And we were talking about our policy should live beyond the president. They should be longer term so they just don't go back and forth. Uh, And, you know, it was interesting because he goes, you know what? That would be a way to start fixing this if we didn't just keep changing directions every four or eight years. If we had a policy, one of the examples I used was energy. America should have a policy of energy security and you have a list of things, fossil fuels, you have solar, you have wind, you have coal, you have all these things that you can use, but these are just the the tools or the implements you get to reach the goal of energy security. And if you want to bring in, you know, green energy and all this, that's fine, but we're not going to decrease energy security and say we're doing away with fossil fuels until there's something that's viable, that's affordable, that's reliable that we can use. And he says, you know, if we could do that, I said, we can if if the have the right legislators that are bringing up legislation to match that vision and leadership of where we're going as a country. And I brought up China. I says. I hate to use China for an example, but they had a 100-year marathon, a 100-year plan of where they're going, and they're 75 years into it. And they're in lockstep, of course, when you're a communist country and you can be authoritarian and a dictator like that. It's easy to do those things. The thing that we have to understand is free will in this country. And with that and the freedoms and liberties we have, you've got to have the personal responsibility. And so how do you get Washington to do something? How do you get them to change direction? You can send, you know, I went up there as a hardliner. We were going to do this and that, but you're a party of one. And then you start developing, you know, a consensus around you. But I I term limited myself, and I'm glad I did. And, you know, I I wouldn't have done it any other way. But you lose that momentum. The thing that really will change us, and we saw, we've seen it in the past. We see it in in the advertising world with Bud Light when um, they, they brought that nut job out, Dylan Mulvaney, how the public sentiment changed Budweiser and knocked him from the top, knocked him down considerably. And it comes down to this, it's public sentiment. And if we can get public sentiment on the side of our country, of America first, of the constitution, um, we can solve for things like our debt, our border, China as our largest adversary, and we can start correcting these things, going back to tradition, American traditions. The thing that this country was founded on, but not only founded, but we've progressed, and these traditions have grown with us as a nation. And then you get a movement, and Obama did this, and he was, he was slick at it. We're going to fundamentally transform America. It's a bad country. It's a racist country. And he gets the media and he gets public sentiment behind that. And that's why they've been so successful in their agenda that they're doing. And, and don't fool yourself. This agenda is continuing. And that's what I call the abominization of America. You know, you get the wokeism, you get the transgenderism, you get all these things that are counter to what America stood for. And it started with somebody that was charismatic. He had the media behind him. You know, the first half black uh, president we've ever had. And, you know, um, and so this movement started and it gained traction. We can do the same thing here. You know, what's wrong with being um, a traditionally married person, somebody that has a job, somebody that works for a living, you know, makes their, earns their bread by the sweat of their brow that lives by the Christian traditional uh, values we have in this country. What's wrong with that? And you see what happens. Somebody like a Mike Johnson gets elected speaker. The press is going after him as being a, white Christian nationalists. And what the heck does that mean? I think those are all things to be proud of. And, and they're making it sound bad and they want to create that narrative. But I think we, the people through programs like yours and other blogs, if we get that sentiment that says, we're not buying this. We're not buying what Washington's throwing down our throat. We don't believe in open borders. We believe in the rule of law. We believe in family traditions and family, uh, American traditions. And if we create that movement, we can do that. And, you know, Lord, if you look back, um, just to the beginning of the Tea Party movement, that movement was going on. And, of course, the left, the establishment was attacking that. um, And they they did everything in their powers to bring that down, as they did with Trump. And, um, you know, we just need to get mad enough. And work together on a common cause. And I can't think of a better cause than the cause of saving this country for what it's represented for over 230 years. Um, and, And the way we do that is through elections and through informing people. One thing we talked about up there, you know, every year there's a lot of freshmen come up there. And so the group I work with up there, we deal a lot with global health security and uh, global food security around the world. And there's agencies that these people come up, these new members, including myself, when I came up there, I was ignorant about these things. Yet I'm voting on on these things and we don't know. And when you have awareness and you teach people about these programs, all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, I, n- I didn't know this existed. Yes, I will support things like that. And that comes back to your programs. If we educate enough people and we do it in mass, not just your program but other programs out there, and we're writing editorials and people are showing up, challenging their their elected representatives, and just saying, "Why aren't we doing this? This is what we we the people want." I think we can change this, and we have an, the next opportunity is this the primary season for Florida will be in August, and then the general will be in November, and we need all hands on deck that believe in this country, believe in the Constitution. And you want to write this ship and you're tired and you're fed up and you're sick and tired of this garbage that's going on um, where they're painting us out, us being the conservatives, the Christians, the people that believe in the the deplorables as Hillary Clinton would say, Um, they're making us to be the bad guy. And we know we're not, and I'm not buying that narrative and I'm fed up with it. And I know your people are fed up with it as you are. And I think it's time we rally together and say enough's enough. So, I'll I'll pass it back to you as I drink some Caliber coffee.
2: Well, I did a great job.
1: I got a question to ask you.
0: <clears throat> yeah,
1: you admittedly, understandably, went up there, unenlightened as to how the system worked. How could you know? So you got into it, and immediately I have to uh, suppose that the policies in them. Took advantage of it because they didn't know, you didn't know what they knew. And they <laughs> didn't. They damn sure weren't going to tell you. Now, so right in there is where a lot of work I'd like to think could be done. How would you address that? In other words, somebody as wicked as her, Chuck, you, e. Schumer, and these people, know those rules. Even Sleepy Joe, oh yeah, yeah, you know, knows what toilet to go into accidentally
2: on purpose. for the guys are taking a leak to make a deal.
1: Right. A, how can we get into that and deal with that?
0: <clears throat> you kind of the best way to do that is to elect people that aren't going to be bendable. Um, There's, there's people out there. You know, I like to think of myself as a person that wasn't bendable. I did, I did moderate a little bit on certain areas, but um, it's, it's having people that are strong that know why they're going in there. And we talk a lot about this politicians versus statesmen. You know, we don't want to hire people that are going up there for a job or their next career move from, one position as a representative to a senator to a governor to president. I don't think we don't want anybody like that. Yet people have those ambitions that are good people. I'm not to say that anybody that starts off as a congressman that wants to be president is a bad person. But I think if they stay true to their word and true to the Constitution and true to the nation, those are the people we need to move up there. Um, What you brought up was so true when I got up there, you know, ignorant about how the process works. But that was okay because I had strong enough will to challenge the status quo. And I remember, and it was Steve Scalise, when uh, he was a majority whip. Um, our first budget deal, you know, he's whipping people, you know, whipping, I mean, not whip, whip but they come up to get your, uh, your sentiment of where you're going to vote. And the budget deal, the first one I voted on, he says, Ted, this is a good budget. It's going to balance in seven years. I'm like, well, hey, that's what we need, because I came up here to get debt under control. You know, why wouldn't I do that? And I realized you can't do it overnight, so it's going to be a process. Seven years, I'm like, that's a good thing. Well, the next year, budget comes up. Got to vote for this. It's going to balance in seven years. (laughs) Next year, budget was going to balance in 10 years if we support this. And I said, Steve, this is my third Congress I'm going into. My first one, it was going to balance in seven years. This is starting my third one. So that's seven years minus three. This thing should balance it should be balanced in four years by now. Right. And he just looked at me like, you can't expect that stuff to be true. Can you? Oh, It's a God. talking point. And, and this is the thing is they use these talking points and people buy into that, especially early on. And so you've got a whole year that you're thinking this is really going to change. Uh, WOTUS, waters of the U S we voted on that how many times and thinking we cleared that off the books that it's no longer an issue, but it comes back every year because a new Congress comes in, they bring that thing up and, you know, people don't understand what WOTUS is. Um, That's where the EPA and the government takes over your land rights um, based on water and migratory fowl that fly over that. So the way you correct that is holding these representatives accountable and nobody has time to do that. You know, you've got a football game. You've got baseball practice or soccer practice, dance practice with your kids. You know, you've got somebody's wedding, funeral, birthday. We're all busy. And we can't, we have to become uncomfortable enough to hold on to the very thing that's given us the lifestyle and the life and the privileges that we have in this country. And it's there for everybody. And it's time that we become uncomfortable in our personal lives and dedicated to serving this nation, and it's going to be a tough thing. It's an uphill battle because, again, people don't want to be disrupted. They're busy, you know. You look at the cost of everything; you've got to work longer and harder to survive today. I mean, Barbara Lee, you who know, is uh, um, uh, from California, she's from California. She's running for Senate for um, uh, against for Barbara Feinstein's seat against Adam Schiff. She's advocating, get this, advocating for $50 an hour minimum wage. Right. right. $50 an hour minimum wage. And her argument is good, but the dynamics is terrible. If I'm an employer, I'm going to quit. I am not, I'm going to go to a different area. I, I mean, I'll mow lawns. Um, I'm not going to hire anybody because you got $50 an hour. you got health benefits. you got retirement. You've got all these things that go on to that. And so that $50 an hour going to the employer, employee, you're going to be paying $75 to $100 an hour as the employer, you know, by the time you match taxes and payroll taxes. And I'll guarantee you, and I shouldn't say this because I don't know this is fact, but I'll guarantee, pretty much bet, be willing to bet $100 that Barbara Lee has never created a business or ran a business from made payroll outside of government. Well, but they the want you knife. pay $50 an hour.
1: She's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But here's the
0: you know,
2: this thing, and we'll make what is another reason it gets worser, as we say. It gets worse.
0: The only gets, way to get worse.
2: <laughs> the only way is for it to get worse. And if you, and you, it's going to get to where,
1: to where, <clears throat> but it keeps getting bigger. And when it gets bigger, it gets denser. Yeah. And uh, what about term limits? You term limited yourself. Yeah. Can we get that done? Does that help?
0: Not Not if the lifers stay there in the bureaucracy. Because the new guy comes in and they say, hey, Ward, You got to support this budget because it's going to balance in seven years. Like God, that's great. You know, so that cycle starts all over again. Um, What I think would, the way it would happen. And, you know, I've mentioned, I think on your show that I was contemplating getting into this presidential race. What I would have done, and I think this would be a way to solve it, is have a executive the president go in there with a strong. Um, house majority and Senate majority strong enough to where you could go to them and say, "You bring me legislation uh, about stripping the power from the executive branch, I will sign it into law." And we need to make it to where it can't be repealed unless it's three quarters approval in both house in both chambers, and start take just start picking away at the uh, egregious abuse of power, not just in the executive branch, but then you can also do it to the administrative states. And there's a, uh, a case right now in front of the um, uh, Supreme Court to strip the administrative state uh, away from these agencies. And it's the Chevron deference case. And there's another one, INS and Chata, which was an immigration case back from the 80s, I think. And that gave these agencies so much power. So if a president was willing in there to go in there and start stripping their power, and they could make it um, not retroactive, but once you leave office, this is when it goes into effect. Or you can do it some of that while you're in office, but you don't want to limit yourself to where you strip your 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 um, your authority. And a new Congress comes in and it flips from a Republican to a Democrat. And they're like, we're going to, we just, you've just neutered yourself and you can't do anything else. And then they run roughshod over you on legislation. So it would have to be a careful balancing act. But you could go after the USDA, the EPA, you could go after these agencies and really shrink them down to where they're not serving a political agenda that we saw under Obama and that we saw under O'Biden that, you know, to where they're using politics and pushing a political agenda, USAID, which is the United States International, (coughs) uh, United States International, um, uh, um, oh, shoot, uh, development. Um, It's a branch of foreign foreign aid. They have a big um, um, movement in, promoting wokeism, ESG, around the world. Um, And and it's just one of those things that um, it's it's become politicized. We saw this under Obama with the Department of Labor going after our farmers that were providing good-paying jobs, but the Department of Labor showed up and they were fining farmers because they had houses that the migrants were staying in that had quarter-sized holes in their screens on these houses that the farmer and his family raised his family in. It was good enough for their family, but you put a migrant in there, a farm worker, that has holes in the screen, and they get fined because, you know, you're not protecting them against uh, insects. And so those are the things that need to stop. And you can do that if you had a strong executive that says, we're going to strip power from these agencies. And I think that's where it really needs to go and then you have to have a, a painted picture of a vision of where this country is going. Uh, and I think if you did that and you had legislation that says we're going this way on energy security and we're not changing it on the whim of somebody that wants green energy. If you want green energy, you replace what we're using for baseline so that we don't disrupt our economy. Mm-hmm. And you look at what they did on fossil fuels. Look at what they did on the price of, uh, of diesel that when Biden came in there how diesel shot up and it just collapsed the economy. And, you know, we're not going to recover from this. They're saying that inflation's down, go buy a loaf of bread, go buy, go buy something in a store and tell me the price is down. I mean, part of that is the inflation. The other part is the devaluation of the dollar because they kept printing money. And so that dollar is now worth about a dime uh, over the last 15 years.
1: You know, and listening to you reply to my um, question, I had to think this is exactly how Trump reacted when he got
2: in there. And yeah. my God, what the hell is going on here? And then he began to go after it the way he would have if he had corporate control. Corporate yeah. control is what enables these corporations to, so to speak, spin on a dime, uh, they get in there and they do something, and they go after it. Trump came after it as a businessman. And those slothy, lethargy, um, a couple more words, I better not use them.
0: Yeah. Well, they could
2: They Reacted with, I, I
1: can't, I ran out of we're going to count up one day how many indictments he had? I think oh, he's had. I think he's got 79 right now.
0: That's what I was going to say. 79 is what I remember. But what you were saying, how a new guy comes in there, this happened to Trump. Trump comes in thinking the party loves him. You know, he won one big. And he, surra- he gets surrounded by the rent-sprevices, the Paul Rhymes, the Mitch McConnells. And they're telling him, oh, we got a replacement for, um, for Obamacare. And so Trump buys into that. He bought into a lot of the things that the establishment comes by, as they did me. Ted, you need to support this budget because it's going to balance in seven years. So Trump buys into that. And it takes you a period of time to realize these people are hoodooing me which means bs and, you, know, and 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 they they get away with it long enough to where you get kind of stuck, you, the Ukraine deal. Um, the, the argument now is to pass the Senate, and the Republicans are saying, well, we've cut, what was it, seven, I don't know if this is the right number, but this is an example. We cut seven billion, this is seven billion dollars in what the president asked for, and this money will go to Uh, refurbishing our military. This is a Ukraine um, supplement, uh, humanitarian supplement, so they're putting all this money in there for military armament to bolster ours up. That's not the spending vehicle where it's supposed to be done. That is supposed to be done in the National Defense Authorization Act that they didn't do properly. So now they're putting it in this supplement and calling it aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan and they're saying, "Well, it's it's seven billion dollars less than what the president wanted." That's probably true, but it's probably—I uh, forget what the number was—say twenty billion dollars more than what we were spending. So it's twenty—is it's twenty-seven billion dollars more than we were spending? But they come out and say, "Well, it's seven billion dollars less than what the president asked for," and it's like. It's a, it's a shell game. Then you're like, oh, $7 billion. We're saving $7 billion. No, you're spending $20 billion more. And see, this is what people will fall into in the beginning. And this is what happened with Trump. Instead of saying, no, we're not spending that. If you want to spend that money in supplementals, get it through the Authorization Act. And this goes back to leadership, to having your 12 appropriation bills done by the beginning of the year. And this is what happens when you don't have it. There's words up there now. They wanna. They wanna. If if um, Mike Johnson moves on this Ukrainian bill and has that extra spending without securing the border, Marjorie Taylor Greene's talking about having a motion to vacate the chair. Like, what are you? Not only are you nuts, you're stupid. This is just yeah. stupid because you've already you've already had this whole drama since january to get rid of mccarthy you get rid of mccarthy now you've got the new speaker in there and and the ship is sinking and he's the only guy with a bucket and you want to throw him out <laughs> it's just it's lunacy they should be focusing on finishing this congress and it's going to be ugly there's going to be a, a terrible omnibus bill which means when it comes time for spending for the end of the year to keep the government running it's going to be ugly all right You're not going to get beyond that unless you shut the government down, which I would have, but, you know, I was one of the few that would do that. And so get through this season, focusing on next year, and you sent me that article about Tom Swasey. Right. They need to focus on that because they just lost another vote by putting somebody in there that replaced Santos, who should never have been in there. And then you get the fearless leader McCarthy who says we're stronger if we're together, we're weaker if we're divided, he gets thrown out of the speakership and he, he takes his bucket and he goes home and he quits, so we lose a vote there. And the same with that, that guy out of uh, Ohio, Bill Johnson. You know, what a, you know, he gets a job as a president of the university, but he does want to finish his term, so he leaves, so we lose another vote there. I mean, people like that should never be in there because they're in there to serve themselves, not to serve this nation. And I I think that's a a message to all politicians that, you know, we're after you and we need people that are going to defend this country at this point in time.
2: And what they did (laughs) in that article, apparently, these are making the power work.
1: They went directly under the cover of deceit and appealed to the corporate chairs and all that really it was in their best
2: interest to let more people into this country because it would be cheap labor for their corporations. And sold that bill of goods in quite a number of examples.
0: Sure. We talked about this yesterday. The, the Chamber of Commerce, Paul Ryan, they wanted open borders. They wanted that cheap labor. Now, that's part of it. On the other side, if you go back to the agenda of, of Obama, the Obamaization of America, we want to bring in and dilute the Anglo-Saxon population. And we can talk about that after the break.
2: Absolutely, wonderful Wednesday with Ted. Yoho, forty-six degrees. We'll talk 46. about that in a
0: moment. Chilly days. Chilly day. We're Refresh my coffee.
2: Towards weather. Go get yourself a cup of Caliber Coffee. We'll be right back.
0: I wonder if we can pet him.
1: Hi, boy.
3: Can we touch him? No,
1: do Help me! Help! Help! Alright, welcome to Wards Weather, but it's brought to you
2: by Lewis Oil. Chevron stations... Lewis or Wendell Lewis, who supports it, oh, support them. Well, 46 degrees. And, of course, I'm getting this off of one of the weather websites. They always say, feels as if, feels like. Come on. What are you talking about? If you're out there with nothing on, what would it feel like? So it's going to go up to about 70. And uh, maybe tonight we'll get another reason for you to light your fireplace. I finally broke down, Ted, and bought a wonderful wood splitter. I mean, Oh, you I, did? Oh, my golly. I'm telling you, it makes it – you don't have to even think about
0: it. At your season, age, and, and experience, uh, that's probably a smart thing.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, well, that's that. I've done it, I've done it the hard way, and I've done it this way. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> that's a magnificent machine, you know.
0: Always but, wanted one of those.
2: Well, I'll let you, I won't let you borrow it. I'll let you come and get the wood. <laughs> um, that's about all i got to say about the weather, except that New York City and that whole northeast uh, part of the country just gets pounded. But what more, yeah. beautiful, what more beautiful place to see get pounded than New York City? I, I really think it's pretty, New York in snow. It's just something about it. There's so much tradition there.
0: Yeah, there is.
2: Yeah. I don't know about D.C. I stay away from D.C. I can't stand even the mission. Um, uh, we got a guest coming in on Friday who lives and works in D.C. uh, Uh Same thing. And, uh, boy, I'm telling you, everything is done, I say this, Um, on the edge, if you will.
0: Um, Yeah. Well, you know, that's it's interesting because I, I, I run across a lot of former members of Congress like myself, and they all say, I just don't like coming back to this town. I just get like this knot in my stomach, but I feel so good when I leave. And the other members that are still active, they'll say, how you doing? You look so relaxed. You look so much you, you ah. look younger. You look this and that. And and I said, it's because I graduated. I saw Andy Biggs yesterday, and he goes, <laughs> Uh, they let you out. You know, they let you out of your cage in Florida. You came back up here. I says, no, I graduated out of the cage from here, and you're still in it. <laughs> he goes, yeah, he goes, that's probably right, isn't it? Anyways. But,
1: I think the ugliest thing, public behavior, by a public official I ever saw, was Pelosi Tearing up, the State of the Union address. Find the head of the president. I got to tell you, brother, and you said something a moment ago about the divisiveness there. Go back and read
2: just before the Civil War. I'm talking about the 1850s. How long that went on and how much they would not listen and it's an absolute
1: impossible division um, that's pre, probably never left us. Um, we brought up out of the, the history books
2: erroneously er, by Obama, who used it to divide us again. just when we listen, just when we get Martin Luther King, just when we get uh, all that business which we did as a people.
1: we get, we get Obama. Yeah. We get tricked. We get tricked. I think, you know, it's it, it a profound In fact, unfortunately. So, more and more,
2: I think what happens is we come back to leadership. Um,
1: you know, I went to military school. My father, of course, ordered me to go. Um, I learned at military school. You could have. Textbooks on leadership. Yeah. That was one thing. But
2: by golly, all of a sudden, across that room right there, there's a leader. And in sports, you can
1: you can see it. Sure. I give an example, you know, Steve Sperger. Right. I mean, educators. Yeah. I mean, People, and he gators. Yeah.
0: He, he rallied the crowd he, and the team.
2: Yeah, I guarantee I know Steve
1: really well. He never got that out of the book. He never got that out of the book. No. He got that out of love of the game.
2: Passion. 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 You
0: know, I, I, you've heard me reference this book a lot about James Madison, Genius, Partisan, and President by Noah Feldman. It, it's just fascinating because of what he was espousing back in the 1700s how it's the same today and you're talking about the pre-civil war we go in cycles humanity goes in cycle and sentiment and it's a learning response because people forget where they came from and how they got there and this says republicanism is for its part was the form of government best suited to the use of reason because it relied on rational deliberation by the people's representatives Factions or parties were the opposite of reasoning. Now, this was his thought when he was forming the the Constitution, and then he and Hamilton wrote the Federalist Papers along with John Jay, and that was the movement that got the, the, the people to support the Constitution. Shortly after that, about three or four years or immediately after that, Hamilton started the work on getting a national bank and Madison was against it. So these two became bitter enemies, and parties started about about four or five years afterwards. Actually, it started right off the Hamiltonians. They were all for big government, government giving favors to businesses and manufacturers and all that. And Madison was strictly the Constitution, and he despised parties in the beginning, But after he saw what Hamilton did and got public sentiment behind him that was growing the government away from the Constitution, he started a party. And it's interesting because he talks about people that think the way he does are enemies of our country. And you've probably heard me say this. If you're a Democrat and you're supporting this agenda, you're an enemy of my country. And so here I am in the 2024 and he was back in the 1780-something, I think it was 1787, 1791 maybe. They're talking about this. So that cycle is repeating, and it repeated in the Civil War, it repeated during the Civil Rights Movement, and it's repeating now. The thing that, I, that gives me hope is, number one, I'm a Christian. Number two is we've been through this before, and we can survive this again but it's getting people that know what the heck they're doing, and we send them up there and we hold them accountable. If we can do that as we the people, I think we'll do all right. But if not, this country will forever change. And with that, with saying that, the Democrats just got one vote closer and shrinking our majority. Our majority went down by one. I think we've got three vote majority. Um if we lose the house, you heard me say this. Akeem Jeffries is going to be the speaker. He is a liberal progressive. He is going to be supported by the squad. It'll be the squad agenda. You've already seen what the state of Minnesota did. They changed their flag. It's the Somalian colors uh, from Minnesota. I mean, in Minnesota, they've got the largest Somalian community in the United States. You're from Minnesota, right? right? Yeah. It falls right in line with uh, Samuel Huntington's book, The Clash of Civilization and it's happening here in america and um and so we've got a chance to get back to our basic founding principles and uh it's going to be a fight but it's a fight worth having um because we are in party factions and that's why i told you when i came back this time the not just not just members of congress but staff people said they've never seen people separate this much where It's this way and it's this way. Republicans here, Democrats, a great example of that is the congressional delegation trips where like on foreign affairs, we would take Republicans and Democrats and we would go to a country and we talk about foreign policy and things like that and come back. And it always had to be a bipartisan trip. The speaker would not okay it. Well, they're allowing people to go just Democrats on a trip or just Republicans because they can't get people to go together. And this is a, an act of leadership. Schumer should never allow a trip to go if they can't get Republicans on it. Mike Johnson should never allow a trip to go, a congressional delegation trip at taxpayers' expense, if it's not a strong bipartisan. You know, um, go by the majority. If you've got you know, more members, you take a few more Republicans and Democrats and vice versa. But they're not doing that. And that's that divide that we've never seen before. And it's, it's coming from leadership too. They should say, if you want to go on this trip, you work it out. You know, you get the members to go on there and, and be hardcore on that. Uh, uh, Because it's, it just shows you how divided that is up there. And that's never happened before that I'm aware of. Um, And, and again, there's going to be, there'll be a flashpoint where something happens where people will come together. And I just hope it's, people wake up and say, you know, we've got a we've got the best thing going on, on the planet. Let's fix it.
2: Once again, good points. Leadership. We've been on that leadership now
1: for about 45 minutes today.
0: <laughs> Is that right?
1: About forty-five minutes. Yeah. And we're gonna be on it for another 45 minutes. And another 45 minutes until we finally get one. Now I'm curious what you think. Coming out of DC with this uh, strong assault on the system, albeit everything they can do to bump him off. On who? On Trump.
0: Oh, on Trump. Yeah. Well, because he's he's um, he's a threat to him. He's a threat to that establishment, not just the Democrats, but. The establishment, and you heard me say before, at the higher echelons of government, it's the party, it's the party, the party of big government. It's not Republicans and Democrats. It's the status quo and protecting the establishment. You know, it's the Chamber of Commerce's that want cheap labor. They want open borders so that we can get these labor. Then you have on the other side of that, you have the Democrats, the, the Obamaization people that wanted to fundamentally transform America. How can you transform America if you've got a 50-some percent Anglo-Saxon um, population, that's a white population, when they're the majority? Well, let's dilute that. And the, if you bring that up to a Democrat, they say, oh, that's just, yeah, that's conspiracy. It's not conspiracy because it's happening right here. You know, you're letting people vote with no ID, You know, no signatures required, no residency requirement. Uh, mail-in ballots. So they're doing everything they can to swap the system and and change the rules. And so that's why they're going after Trump so hard, because his second term, he will clean house and it needs to be clean. And I reached out to his campaign people, Susie Wiles, his campaign manager. We had a good discussion and I said, use me as a tool. I'll, I'll, I'll get donuts and coffee for people if you want me to. Anything I can do to further the cause and move this forward, I'll be happy to do. And, um, you know, I just hope they call that I can have a hand in that. And there's a movement that's going, oh, it's a project, they call it the 2025, where there's 2,025 positions that need to be filled. Heritage is working on this. Several other groups are working on it, the Heritage Foundation. Those are appointments that have to be made as quickly as he can, and this is where Trump was really lacking last time of course the senate blocked you know any appointment he did they just blocked and he couldn't get people in of course the media said well he can't even get people confirmed it's because the senate wouldn't allow that and so if he can have go in there with a majority and he can have these people in place and already vetted he can make a significant change and we can start changing the structure of the beast up there you know the bureaucracy of these agencies Christopher Ray should not be in government. He should not be in charge of the FBI. He was there while they were doing all the investigations, and he was part of that. Um, they ought to strip your your Brennan's and um, um, these other people that have security clearance. They ought to strip them of their any any security clearance that they have. Remove them from government. Get them out of here. We don't want you around. Um, and and I hope Trump survives going through the the political the judiciary attacks on him and then, you know, the security threats that he has and that he survives us to where we can rally behind him and we can get him focused and um, just fundamentally change, undo what Obama has done and let's fundamentally transform Washington, D.C. And Uh, I would be proud to be a part of that, to be able to help out any way I could.
2: Well, you mentioned one way to do it. And that um, was to buy donuts and coffee <laughs> and, uh, um, and have a hand in it. Yeah. How about an arm in it? And uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I could take some palpating sleeves up there. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, well, we're talking now about examinations that huh. a large animal that does. And, uh, right.
1: and, you know, that, that was a, a wonderful life, I'm sure, uh, for you.
0: It was fun. We had fun. Uh, nothing like eating a fresh donut in the cow pins in the morning.
1: <laughs> How big was your territory? Uh,
0: I had five different mortgages, so I traveled. I had truck and will travel. <laughs> yeah, I, I went think- over to uh, St. Augustine. Uh, uh, I, I've been up to Georgia. I've been down to uh, uh, Arcadia, West Palm Beach, you know. So I I mainly stayed in about a 50 to 60-mile radius of uh, Gainesville.
1: Well,
2: that's part of that job, though, because
0: you Uh, are About 250 to 300 miles a day driving.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Look at the chat line here. Plantation Mark says they took his security clearance the day he retired.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and they should. Unless he is continually working with an agency but like uh, james clapper and and brenner you know these guys are enemies of the state in fact i I got this um, this up here where madison was talking about the hamiltonians were the true enemies of the united states multiplying their own numbers while simultaneously charging madison and, and his followers with not being friends of the government and so It's it's just interesting to hear Madison talking. This was 1792, uh, and it goes on. Who are its real friends? The nation, the union. Who are its real friends? And uh, it's really interesting to see their arguments and the struggles they went through back then. That has allowed us to survive to where we are here. And I think there's lessons that we can learn as You know, the the people that are running this country, because it really comes down to we, the people, are the ones that are running it. But we have given that power away to the bureaucracy and to government. And then when government gets that power, they start stripping us of our rights. And we're seeing that more today than we ever have in our lifetime. And this was something that the founders, uh, mainly Madison and some of these other guys in Monroe, were on his side and just said, you've got to protect this.
2: I think it's also
1: interesting, although I'm sure we'll hear it, that we haven't heard any real beefing about what it looks as if the United States Supreme Court is going to do
2: with ballot uh, and Trump on it. Don't, I, don't,
0: yeah.
2: I don't think, I, I don't think the will be able to beat I don't think they're going to be able to beat about that.
0: They're not going to be able to what?
2: They're not going to be able to beef about that. They'll complain about it.
0: I don't think they will. I think they're going to tread very lightly and try to weigh in as little as they can, but allow Trump to stay on the ballot. And yeah. they'll have some case that they can go back to that they'll reference. Uh, the Nixon one is one being brought up now. Um, you know, <laughs> that he can't be held. He's pretty much protected by anything he did and that you can't prevent him from running again. Um, You know, you got your civil court, you've got your uh, criminal court, and they said he couldn't be held liable for that. And I think you're going to see them kind of punt on that, because if they were to block Trump from running, there would be mayhem in this country. Oh, yeah. Uh, And as there should be. Uh, And again, for your listeners that haven't watched a plot the, the plot against the president, it's a documentary. That's exactly what happened. And they blame Trump for causing an insurrection and trying to destroy our, i use the word democracy, uh, which I don't like. It's a constitutional republic. By destroying our form of government, it's actually the people, the James Clapper, the FBI, the, the big tall guy, uh, Comey. Um, uh, those people were the ones that are running the coup that they were successful at and Trump called them out on it. And that's why I'm so adamant that he needs to get in there so that he can clean that house and God bless him. He's going to need a, a, a shield around him, a force field, because they're going to, they'll, they'll do everything. We've seen what they did to Kennedy. And, um, you know, we just hope he gets the right people around him that, there was that slogan he had, he had the hats that had Trump, no BS, <laughs> you know, and it's time to go in there. And it's it's interesting because I met with the South Koreans and some other people up there, foreign people, and and they're worried about Trump getting in there. Uh, they think he's too radical. And, you know, I heard him, I listened to him. I says, I hear what you're saying, but I disagree with you. For our country, he's the person we need in there to straighten us out right now.
2: Well, thanks for stopping by on Wednesday again. Sure. Wednesday, wonderful Wednesday. With uh, appreciate
0: Ted. you having me come on.
2: Oh man, I look forward to it. And it uh, may get a little frosty a little bit tonight, one more time, and then no doubt it'll warm up again. So you go out
0: a new wood splitter.
2: Yeah, go out and get that new wood splitter, man. Yes, sir. Buddy.
0: Right. Burn that of fuel.
2: <laughs> Have a great day. Ward, hope command center out.
0: All right, Ward. Take care. Music <laughs>